following podcast will contain spoilers. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Hello and welcome to another episode of Please Don't Make Me Watch, but this week it's Christmas! <laughs> On this week's episode we have Ireland's biggest lingerie store, I understand. Killer Christmas trees. Early Airbnb. And questionable German accents. Any Christmassy events you've been doing? Uh, no Christmassy oh. events. But I also find like, I feel like Christmas you end up doing the same things. Like, we all have our favourite Christmas carols. Ah, uh, in the bleak midwinter. Oh, God rest you, Mary Gentleman. God rest you, Mary Gentleman. Yeah. such a shit Christmas Love it. Favourite one. It's so long, it's like seven verses and none of them are good. No, they're all bangers. All of them? Go on, name the sixth one. I don't know. Yeah, I was always in the orchestra. Had seven verses, did you? Yeah, because I was always in the orchestra. We always did three. Yeah, well, there you go. Not well, the Christmas sorry. Uh, and like, of course, like Christmas food and stuff. Um, we we both agree on what the best Christmas film ever is. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Carol. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, the best version of a Christmas Carol ever put to film. The best Christmas movie of all time. Yeah. It's, it's only one more sleep till Christmas. Christmas. We the always best have song, We always have a tradition where we put our Christmas tree up and decorate the house and then watch Muppet Christmas Carol. That's really cute. I usually watch it on my own on Christmas Eve because my family don't really like it. But then this year, I'm taking my parents to see it at the movies. That's exciting. Yay. It's great. It's great. They've film. seen it, but like, no. they don't understand how good it is. Yeah. And also kind of you use Christmas like a look back at the year because it's been a year of podcasting. We made it though. We did Yay, make it. A whole year. Yeah. What's been your favourite thing that I've made you watch? Probably Chernobyl. Or The West Wing, I suppose. Yeah. Which was really good as well. Uh, yeah. Chernobyl probably took me more by surprise. Yes. Because I was going to watch The West Wing anyway. But probably. I was also going to watch Chernobyl anyway. But yeah, they yeah. were both good. Um, you? Uh, probably Line of Duty. Yes. Yeah, such I, a classic. Yeah. Have you seen who's guest starring in the next series? No. Kelly McDonald. <gasps> She's great. Yeah. Gonna be really good. She's wonderful. Very excited. And I feel like also like I mean Chernobyl's my favourite TV new TV of this year, which okay. I just I like just can't answer this. I, don't I know love. What is. Nothing springs to mind, but I think Chernobyl was amazing. Yeah. So I probably that. And I think I think the farewell is probably my favourite film, okay. which everyone should go and see the farewell. It's beautiful and heartfelt and heartbreaking and wonderful that everyone should go and see it. It's brilliant. I honestly don't know what my favourite film was. I would see Vice. I really like Vice. Yeah. But I know lots of other people <clears throat> didn't. Um, I feel like God, you... God, I don't go to the cinema very yeah, often. Yeah, you, you go to the theatre more than go to the cinema. Yeah, much more. Whereas I, I'll go to the cinema I've probably more. Seen like, I've maybe been to the cinema like five or six times this year. That's quite yeah. a lot for me. But yeah, nothing massively like no. stands out. I just think about Christmas it food. Favourite Christmas food. I love a mince pie, I'm not going to lie. Greg's mince pie. I, I make up my own. Yeah, of course you From do. From scratch. But also Greg's. I, yeah, I think I think in terms of like kind of, I think everyone's Christmas dinner has their own like specific elements. So we always have like three different types of stuffing at Christmas dinner. Why? Because why not? That's so weird. Okay. Yeah, and we always have, and we we never have Christmas pudding on Christmas Day. We always have it on Boxing Day. No, we have Christmas cake on Boxing Day, but we have Christmas pudding. But we have a tiny one because no one really likes it. But we just have it for like fighting, lighting on fire. And we stuff. all we all like it, but we always feel like after like a really heavy Christmas dinner, we'll have like a lighter sort of, it's called snowball pudding, it's like sponge and fruit soaked in booze, covered in cream, it's much okay. lighter. We and have, oh my mum makes ice cream cake, which is the best nice. cake in the world, so we have that, and then there's Christmas pudding for my dad, so you can have brownie butter and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's tasty. It's good. 
Right, so we get on to the podcast. Let's get on to the podcast. Um, so, first up this week was my TV, and I asked you to watch the Father Ted episode, A Christmassy Ted. A Christmassy Ted is an episode of the Channel 4 sitcom Father Ted, uh, which is about three Catholic priests and their housekeeper who live on Craggy Island in Ireland. And Ted is the main character, and then he's got a dumb priest called Dougal, and a massively drunk and horny priest called Father Jack, and then the housekeeper's called Mrs Doyle, and my family love it. And this one is 55 minutes long, as opposed to the usual like 22 minute episodes, um, which they used to have. It gets shown like every year on Channel 4 for Christmas, because it's so popular. And it was written by Graham Linehan and Arthur Matthews, and directed by Andy De Emini, ooh, and Declan Lowney. Lowney, don't know if I've said that right. Todd's? Um... I think it's it's weird. This is the only episode of Father Ted I've ever seen, and I feel like it's one of those shows that I have just been sort of slapped in the middle of it. I feel like it's very long. It does feel like two episodes rammed together. Yeah, it is, basically. That, and it doesn't work. And also my issue is, is I think the bit that's the Christmassy bit, which is the second half, is the weaker of the two halves. What do you mean it's the second bit? Like, like the bit with the sort of undercover... Spy priest thing. Not spy, thief. Burglar. Thief, thief priest, and I think that's the weaker half. I don't think that more... bit is about Christmas at all. I think I think it's it's the Christmasier bit. I definitely think. Whereas I think the bit. Thing. I think the first half is so much more Christmassy. The second half, the second half for me feels like oh, I is... agree the weaker bit, but I don't yeah. think that's I don't think it's to do with Christmas at all. It's just like a, an escapade, really. Like it could be happening yeah. at any time of year. It doesn't need to be happening then. Mm. But I, I think I think the the bit in the bra shop. In the lingerie shop is very funny, which is also great because Lucius Farinus is in it from Rome. I don't know who that is. Uh, he's one of the main two soldier people, the kind of gruff blonde one. Right. He's also in Grey's Anatomy. If you've seen that. No. I haven't seen Grey's Anatomy either. I just know that. Oh. I think Dougal's really sweet and kind of in the sort of lovable idiot vein that you I get in a lot of sitcoms. Love also, so many great one-liners from Dougal this yeah. episode. The bits with him and his advent calendar are some of my favourite bits ever. When he like opens it and he's yeah. like, Ted, it's the one thing I didn't expect. A bunch of people in a stable. Yeah. Like, you're a priest. And, it, and it's and like, I hadn't, I'd only ever seen Arnold Lohanan do stand up. I'd never seen him like, actually, no, that's a lie. I'd seen him in Doctor Who. Um, Is he in Doctor Who? Yeah, he plays a cat person. Oh, okay. He's in Death in Paradise now as well. Yes. Which obviously we've watched. Um, which you can go back to a previous episode to hear our thoughts on. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm coming at this from a point where I don't have any knowledge to go into it. And I think also having started this, because it's obviously in the middle of Father Ted. It's, it's between the second and third series. Yeah. Right? I don't have knowledge of the characters, and I don't have knowledge of, I think, the setting and the context. Because I don't have, like, for me, I have no idea about Catholic priests and how the Catholic Church works. And a lot of the oh, humour is derived so. from that, and so I didn't get a lot of it. Unfortunately. Oh, that's so sad, it's so good. Um, and this thing is, I can definitely respect it and being like, I see why people rave about this, and I see why people find it really, really funny. I just didn't, unfortunately. You didn't find the bit in the lingerie section where it's like the Vietnam No, War. no, that bit I thought was really funny. Yeah. I just felt like the rest of it, and I think especially the second, the second half, I'm like, why is this here? 
I, oh, I, I wish think they... there are so many good bits in that. I agree that it's like weaker, but I think there are got lots of good bits about it. I just, I felt like, why isn't this two episodes? It should have been two episodes. Well, then it wouldn't be a Christmas special, though. I think then just make the first half more Christmassy. Make the first half the Christmas special. But it's got to lead to something. Because none of this, they, none of the episodes lead into anything. Like, they're yeah. all classic sitcom things where it, like, concludes and then you mm. never hear about it again. Like, they don't reference back to any of the escapades they've had. Yeah. So they couldn't do the second one. As in... The second half relies on the first half because yeah. he doesn't get the award. Award! Yeah, I just... And there were a couple of elements in it that sort of... It's pre... This is pre the Spotlight Papers, isn't it? Uh... I don't know. When was it released? 19... Yes, it's pre the Spotlight Papers. Something? 1996. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, there's kind of some things that you sort of see and obviously have... I think for me, at least... Having never seen this before, not having the context, you're like, oh no, like there's a bit where he's around loads of, one of the characters around loads of babies, not oh, one of the main three. Yeah, 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 and you're like, oh no. And it's because, it, but you've got to then turn off that bit of your brain. Oh, that literally doesn't occur to me. Yeah. Because obviously, like, even knowing all of that stuff, having been raised Catholic, like, that doesn't worry me because I'm like, yeah, priests around, like, as in, there are lots of horrible priests. Oh, yeah. But there are also lots of priests who around kids and are amazing. And I think, I think because he is the one who is objectively the worst of the three main ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, I don't know. I feel... No one ever pedos. Yeah, I just, I just... I don't know. I just didn't vibe with this at all. Oh, it was one I definitely kind of watched and thought, I appreciate this. This, I can see... The amount of love that's gone into the show and the amount of other people have for the show, it's clearly very good. But I feel like coming at this from having not seen any Father Ted previously. Oh, this is interesting. Sorry, I'm just on the Wikipedia page. Graham Linehan stated in a DVD commentary of this episode that he thinks this is far too long. And at moments expresses his boredom towards the end of the commentary track. So clearly you're not alone. Yeah. I mean... It probably is too long. I mean, I think, I think they were like, oh, we want an hour-long Father Ted special. In which case, why didn't they then do a story that was an hour long? Instead of doing two separate yeah. sections. Yeah, and that, that, was, that was the issue, is it the fact like, oh no, we've written a Christmas special that is this bit, but then we need to make it an hour, so let's bolt on the previous episode onto it. Christmas special, bam. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. I definitely felt like there was something there that I was just missing the whole way through when I was watching this. And I think that is, that is the problem, is that I am missing something, because I haven't seen, this between, I haven't seen series one or two of Father Ted. And after watching this, I don't know if I then want to go back and watch Father Ted. Oh, you should. You really mm. should. But I do wonder if it's just funnier for, like, people who... Maybe you don't have to be Catholic, but, like, Christian. Yeah. Just for, like, understanding some of the references. But I I would recommend you watch the Eurovision episode. I think that's just okay. objectively very funny and doesn't rely on them being Catholic. Yeah, because that, that was a lot of the humour in this relied on them being Catholic and you knowing what they were talking about and my knowledge of that is limited to non-existent. Yeah, okay. And I, I mean, I, if some, someone said to me, should I watch I was like, yeah, give it a try. You might find, you might really like this. And I'm sure, had I watched the first episode of it, I might have had a better show of it. But because I watched an episode right in slap bang in the middle of the series, yeah, that has a problem with it. Also, it's, I feel like it's a Christmas special that is Christmassy, but it's the funniest bits have nothing to do with Christmas. I think you could put the bit in the lingerie shop at any time in the year. 
Yeah, but like they're only in the long tradition. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, yeah. but they wouldn't be that. Like, I think it links to Christmas in the like awkward way of like yeah. it's Christmas. You have to buy presents for people who don't really know. Like, or you do know, but you're like, what do I? I mean, I feel uncomfortable about purchasing this for you, but I know you want it. Yeah. And I think that's something a lot of men... Mm. I've, I see a lot of more men around this time of year awkwardly walking around women's sections of clothing, like, holding things desperately and then being like, no. And you're like, I don't feel like you know what you're no. doing here, but you are no. desperately searching for something that you <laughs> well, want. I never buy clothes for people unless it's, like, a scarf. Well, it's also just because, yeah. like, I think women are trained to think about fashion from quite a young yeah. age because, like, it's part... You know, it's part of supposedly mm. who we are, and boys aren't trained to think of like mm. female fashion very much. So yeah. if you see a girl walking around the boys' section, she could just be like, "Well, this I like my boyfriend to wear this. This is a lovely jumper." Yeah. And then you see men walking around the girls' sections, and they're like, "No idea. All of this is lace. It's comfort important to her. Yeah. I don't know." And, and I think it's weird. Speaking of like Ted as a character, he really reminds me of Bernard Black from Black Books. Yeah, that's why I like him. And and this this thing is, I feel like I well, could... that is written by the same people. Yes, right. And and this and that's the thing I think it reminded me of the most is that you've got kind of like Dougal is the manny counterpoint, um, in Bill Bailey's character in Black Books. I think Dougal's a much better character than Manny. For me personally, I find him a lot more funny. I I find Manny very confusing. As in, he's good, but he's annoyingly dumb sometimes yes. and I think Dougal's so obviously dumb and so likeable that you're just like oh mm. Dougal I, I, I agree with that I think Bernard is a better character than Ted I think Bernard it makes sense at least from what I've seen of Father Ted for why he's a crotchety git it doesn't make sense for me why Ted is Oh, uh, because, yeah, but there's backstory. As in, yeah. like, he's been, he doesn't really want to be a priest. He one gets the sense, but he's, like, ended up being a priest. And then he's, like, basically wants to sleep with those women, but can't. He feels stifled in his job. He's, Craggy Island is where all the shit priests get put. That's why Dougal's there, and that's why Father Jack's there. He's an alcoholic and yeah. sex addict, like. And Ted's been put there because he was in a nice place. And then he, like, sidelined fund, fun, sidelined funds. funds from the church into his own offshore bank account and someone found out so he got put on Craggy Island uh -huh. which is why he's there which is why he's so pissed off all the time because he's like why the fuck am I here with these idiots okay yeah and, and I think I think this is this is the core problem is that I'm coming from this having not seen anything else that Father Ted yeah which is and I also I don't know I'm not I'm not inspired to watch the rest of it in a way I feel like I should I feel like it's one of those things that I should have seen but also it's not something that was big in my family which is weird because we watched black books as kids well as kids as teenagers yeah but i think black books is potentially more accessible if you're not catholic like this is so mm. big in my house because we were raised catholic so yeah. a lot of the joke and also we were raised catholic but a catholic that doesn't particularly respect the catholic church yeah so like in my area loads of people love this especially because i grew up with lots of people whose parents came from ireland mm. and then we went to the catholic schools in london like Obviously, our whole community thinks it's really funny because we can reference it in so many different yeah. situations and it's very, like, relatable in a way. And it's also taking the piss out of the Catholic Church whilst being mm. funny. But, like, I sh we showed an episode to my granny who's quite strict Catholic and she didn't find it funny at all. Like, yeah. Because it's taking the piss out of the Catholic mm. Church most of the time. About how but I think, I, think, I think it's why some people, they find things that, from a world they haven't experienced, kind of difficult to get into. I know some people have found Drag Race very difficult to get into for the same reason, like, I don't know what they're talking about. And it's interesting that in early series of Drag Race had, like, little pop-ups saying what this all meant. And, like, there were some things I was like, um, explanation, please. And I did have to, I did have to do a bit of Googling. Because I was like, I, what, what? I'm so lost. 
it's, it's just not for me, unfortunately. Okay, fair enough. I think we've got to move on to my TV. Yes. Um, speaking of like things that we watched as a family and enjoyed, my family are massive sci-fi nerds. Uh, I'm not ashamed about that. Um, and so I gave you a very, very Christmassy episode of Doctor Who. The Christmas Invasion is the Christmas special of Doctor Who from 2005. It's the first episode starring David Tennant as the Doctor, um, also starring Billy Piper as Rose Tyler. Uh, it's directed by James Hawes and written by Russell T Davis. It follows the Doctor as he's in the middle of regenerating from being Christopher Eccleston to being David Tennant. Um, so he's sort of going through essentially the process of healing his body as a race of aliens called the Sycorax invade Earth, demanding that humanity surrenders or one third of Earth die. It's a very cheery thing. Yeah. Um, we always watch Doctor Who as kids. Um, I think especially, we did watch some of the older Doctor Who, but when it was rebooted, we definitely watched it pretty regularly. And we already watched things like Star Trek, and so I was primed to really enjoy this. And I know sci-fi is not your thing. So what, what were your thoughts? Uh, so I, I've only ever watched one episode of Doctor Who apart from this, and it freaked me out so much when I was 10 that I never watched it again, because I found it really disturbing. Which episode was it? The plastic, like the first one of the new Oh, the Autons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like David Tennant. This was fine. I don't know. I found it, like, quite bitty. Yeah, definitely. I felt like even though there was a through thread, it didn't feel like there was a through thread. Like, I think the, the bits of it were really clever. Yeah. But bits of it, I was just like, I don't understand why how we got here. Like, yeah. it's very confusing. I think it's the sci-fi elements that I find annoying. Mm. Like, I really like the idea of someone being able to blood control people based on, like, their blood type, which is, I think... Yes, it is, right? yeah, is that I think it's all people with a certain blood certain type. Certain blood type go into a hypnotic state. I thought that was a really interesting idea that, like, I don't know how one would do that, but I would have liked to see that on, like, a detective show where they explain the science behind I know you couldn't physically do yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. You know, something like that. Science mumbo-jumbo. And then it was annoying that they were just like, because aliens! And then the aliens all looked stupid. It was, it's very rubber face mask. It's so budget, oh my god. It was also frustrating that the Doctor wasn't around for a lot of it. Mm. Just because I was like, I'm watching an episode of Doctor Who and I'm not even seeing the fucking yeah. Doctor. Like, I'm just watching... But I, think, I think you do Good see things. a lot of, in this episode, um, Rose being the, the companion becoming a more independent character. Because mm. definitely in the first series, with the Christopher Eccleston's of Doctor Who, the companion is less of an independent presence and more kind of reacting to what the Doctor does. Yeah. But slowly, as like with the second Billy Piper series and then with the subsequent companions, the companion has a lot more to do. Yeah. And I think this is the start of Rose and other subsequent kind of being more proactive. I think the most proactive of them all is Catherine Tate Donna, but who Legend. love Catherine Tate, best companion in Doctor Who, fight me nerves. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I enjoyed Billy Piper, she's a great actress, so that yeah. was good. I just found the aliens a bit annoying. Thought it was an interesting conundrum though. Yeah. Do you let the third of them die or do you give half of them as slaves, which is worse? Mm. Who knows? I really liked Penelope Wilton as yes. Prime Minister. I thought, to be honest, that was the most interesting storyline, but that is so, like, feminist. What's me. really interesting about her but character? I just think that's the best bit. Like, What's really she's an yeah. interesting and well-formed character who is both mm. inspirational and also you don't agree with her decisions. Yeah. And then the ending, which we'll talk about probably eventually, is a really interesting twist that... Mm. I was like, oh, we're making a point here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Instead of it just being like, early on. Um, what's really interesting about um, Penelope Wilson's character is called Harriet Jones is that she appears in the Christopher Eccleston series. Does she? Um, in an episode where basically aliens take over the cabinet. 
Oh, of course she does because she raps, she's talking yes. about knowing him. And um, and she's basically the sort of like backbench MP trying to get a bill passed, like a hospital bill passed. And she is then seen as this person who helped against this alien invasion and that propels her to being prime minister in this episode. Right. And it's really interesting how seeing her change from that, and I think she's great in this. And she definitely pulls, like, she, it's the interesting, I think the ending is really interesting where the doctor just kind of whispers to someone there, don't you think she looks tired? Yeah, her aide. And it and it just sort of is that is that kind of few words because he he says he says like, I can bring down your government with six words. Yeah, and those are the six words. Don't you think she looks tired? And then they watch her on TV at the end trying to like someone's like, are you sure you're okay? You look really ill. Yeah, like she's being interviewed by a journalist on TV and she's like, no no no, my health is fine. And it's like votes of confidence are looming. Yeah, and it's her. and it and it's really and interesting. Like, oh, yeah, Hillary Clinton reference yeah. very much. Yeah, because it yeah, the decision she makes is that she decides, basically the Doctor convinces the aliens to leave after killing the alien leader, after also singing a bit of the Lion King at him. Yeah. There's so much that's weird about this episode. Oh, oh it's Doctor Who, of course it's bonkers. Is that what happens? Yeah, so bas- basically the, doc- the, the, the leader of the alien race called the Sycorax fights the Doctor, he loses, the Doctor tries to save him, he then falls off his spaceship, the alien leader, and they then basically the Sycorax are like, cool, peace, we're out. Um, this was a bad idea. And then Harriet Jones decides instead to send fighter jets to blow up the alien ship. Essentially killing off the entire race of aliens. Because it's implied that that's like the last, the last ship of them, or it's like a significant yeah. population of them. And, and she says that the Doctor isn't always around to save them, so like, why should yeah. she be careful? And to be fair, I kind of see her point. Yeah. I think the Doctor is very self-righteous. Mm. But what's really interesting is then, like, what gets set up, because then that, that leads into the rest of the first day of the Tenant series, and ending with the organisation of Torchwood, which is kind of the sort of, like, alien sort of investigation and stopping force that then... But Torchwood do this, right? Well, Torchwood... Okay, it's going to get a bit complicated. So right. Torchman initially is a government organisation yeah. and then accidentally bring back the Cybermen and the Daleks to fight each other in London and then they are shut down because obviously they've fucked up majorly and then they just basically go underground, which is what John Barrowman's character, Captain Jack, who is not in this episode, yeah. starts running from Cardiff because they thought, wouldn't it be nice seeing as, you know, this whole film thing is filmed in South Wales if we set the spin-off series in South Wales. Right, okay. So that's that's what happens with Torchwood. And the whole the whole episode I think is it's got some really good moments. Like it's got um the killer Christmas tree where um Camille Caudry, who plays um Rose Tyler's mum, goes, I'm gonna get killed by a Christmas tree that basically turns into like a giant, like spinning, whirring death yeah, machine. That's so weird. And and the whole sort of first half of the episode no, first two thirds of the episode, the doctor is kind of going in and out of consciousness because he's still regenerating. Yeah. And how the regeneration is affecting him is it differs per doctor. So when David Tennant regenerates, his regeneration is very different to Matt Smith's kind of coping with regeneration is very different to David Tennant's. And it's it's an interesting way of doing it because obviously it's kind of now you're a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with Jodie Whittaker, hers was very different to Peter Capaldi's, who's very yeah, different yeah, to Matt yeah. Smith, blah, 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 blah. But it's, it's a nice because I think with this episode, what it does do is it it does put the focus more on the characters who are both left behind by the Doctor and rely on the Doctor. Mm. And what happens when the Doctor's not there, they then have to step up. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. But also, as someone who doesn't really watch it, I was like, I quite like David Tennant, to be perfectly honest. I think it'd be great if he was here. Um, 
Yeah, I, I thought the Prime Minister's side subplot was the most interesting plot of it. I yeah. just thought there were lots of very interesting things, but because it was Doctor Who, it became, like, dealt with not particularly interestingly. Yeah. I'm sure, like, in a fun way, like, in a Christmassy way, but also, I just can't... I was like, yeah. why are we not thinking about blood control a little bit more? That would be a really interesting and fascinating thing to think about in a, like, more dramatic sci-fi context. Yeah. Or, don't you think she looks tired? I think that's mm. such an interesting premise for, yeah. like... Like a political drama or something. To be used somewhere else, yeah. yeah. I feel like with a lot of Russell T. Davis things, we talked about this when we talked about Years and Years, is that he's got some really good ideas, but then often it's like, either he doesn't have the time to follow them through, yeah. or doesn't Or he can't them. be bothered to commit to making yeah. it dark. I feel like he doesn't like a dark ending. No, he likes a happy ending. And I, but I feel like Doctor Who at that time was still not ready to commit to the darkness. Like, it would go scary. Mm. Like, they had um, an episode with these, like, gas mask zombies. Oh, yeah, no, and, I know those. Yeah. And they basically, they say... Oh, and they are terrifying. I, I used to do that to loads of people when I was at primary school because I had really, well, I have big eyes. So. Yeah, it's it's really scary, mommy. and but then often it would be like fun as well. Like even in those episodes, there's those moments of levity. Oh, are there? And I think everyone's got... so freaked out by that. Yeah, it's I crept dark... on a friend at the Imperial War Museum school trip actually and did that. Evil. It's got darker recently, definitely. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I'm glad I watched one. I'm glad it was this one. Yes. Which wasn't scary at all. No. I didn't um, think it was scary. Right, on to my film. Christmas ah, films. Christmas we're not we I mean but we're not doing that's... we are doing two classics, but they're not like classic classics. Yeah, I wouldn't but say. also we're not doing like Hallmark Christmas films either. Oh, I fucking love Hallmark Christmas films. I mean we've we've had a watch along of some Hallmark Christmas films. Yeah. Yeah, which if you want to see will be on our Twitter. So instead we picked some like Maybe lesser known classics. No, I, th- I think I think these are, these are Christmas classics. I would say this time I asked you to watch the holiday. The Holiday is a 2006 British-American rom-com written, produced and directed by the wonderful Nancy Myers, famous for her rom-coms. Uh, it's co-produced by Bruce A. Block. What a name! And was filmed in both California and England, and stars Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz as Iris and Amanda, two lovelorn women from opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean who kind of like swap homes because they're escaping heartbreak in their own places during Christmas. Jude Law and Jack Black then fall in love with them. So Jude Law falls in love with Cameron Diaz and Jack Black falls in love with Kate Winslet. Uh, I think it's a lovely and cosy film which is not like the best but I also I have a friend who's very picky about films and he's like massive snob and this is like his favourite holiday film of all time and every time like, I've watched it with him and he's just like, this is amazing. Has stuff. he like, not seen so... Muppet Christmas Carol? No, as in, this is just very, I don't know why, this is just so his thing. And that's the first person I watched with him and I think that's why I like it so much. Because he was just so like, well, well, isn't it great? And I was like, yeah, it is great. I know you don't like it, but go on. No, I don't dislike it. There is a good film in this film, and to be honest, I would make one change, and this would solve all of my problems with the film, and that is completely remove the Kate Winslet Jack Black side. I mean, that is literally the like. Then it would literally be a Hallmark movie. Yeah, but also I don't care because Jude Law and Cameron Diaz have chemistry. They are funny. They are interesting. They are not doing a bad parody of what composition looks like. Jack Black. Jack. This is my issue: is that Jack Black is not a romantic lead. He oh, I can't, think he kind of pulls no, it together in this film. I just I disagree. I, that's, this thing is I can't get over is I feel like he's horrifically miscast. I don't... I thought that originally, but then I thought it was just actually lovely. No. Like, 
I think he's so miscast in this film. I don't, I mean, for me, it was, I was just thinking, why isn't Chiwetel Ejiofor playing this character? He would be so good. No, but I like it because, like, Jude Law and Cameron Diaz are lovely and, like, have, like you're saying, amazing chemistry and, like, very, it's lovely. But also, I feel very, like, that's not achievable. <laughs> like, their relationship mm. feels very hallmarky in terms of, like, it's beautiful Christmas in an English village. It's a rom-com. Snowing. It's not meant to be achievable. No, I know, I know, I know. But, like, as in, one of the, and I know you don't like this one, but one of the reasons I like Love Actually is because there's so many relationships and a lot of them feel like I know those people all. Mm. I can see that. Even though it's a weird relationship, I understand both of those characters in a way. And I like Cameron Diaz and Jude Law, and I think they do have that. But they also are so beautiful as people. And it's in such a perfect location and it all goes so perfectly. I find it almost too much. And I like the Jack, that Jack Black and Kate Winslet. I love the bit where Kate Winslet discovers that she can like turn her blinds on from her bed or something. Yeah, I, I just, just was like, like relatable. Like an English person going to California and being like, what the fuck is this technology? And then be like, wah! I can change the blind. And I just think like, their story is much more, even though it's in this like Hollywood atmosphere, I just felt more like they would be like me. I felt more, yeah, achieve. It felt like an achievable yeah. romance. No, I mean, oh, like I just, I just found the the Kate Winslet Jack Black storyline so just dull. I didn't find it interesting, and I it was just so painful. And also, I'm gonna put it out. This film is over two hours long. It drags. It, it says it over two hours. It, I mean, oh, it's it's at least two hours. It drags this film. It's 135 minutes. It's over two hours. Um, and it, I never realised. And it just, and I just was kind of sitting there thinking, Jesus, hurry up with it. And this is this is my issue with it is that I'd be watching the Kate Winslet Jack Black sections and just think, oh God. Why is this happening? And it will cut back to Jude Law and Cameron Diaz, and I'm right back in the film again. Because I wouldn't expect it had you said, which of the two of this are you going to vibe more with, Kate Winslet or Cameron Diaz? I was like, obviously Kate Winslet, because she's a much better actress. I feel like she's going to give yeah, a much yeah, better yeah. performance. And no, I feel like Cameron Diaz, I mean, I think also Cameron Diaz has the better half of the script. Yeah, I, I agree. I do, I do think she has more to play with. And I just think that, oh, <laughs> I, just, I just don't understand why... There is a necessary way. There is a need to have that second story. I love the Kate Winslet with the old man, but I genuinely really like. Oh that. no! I, I was like narrative like cul-de-sac. I really <sighs> like that. I think it's just I like that kind of like it's so cheesy, but yeah. it's so it's so cute. His elderly neighbour called Arthur Abbott. Arthur was a screenwriter during the golden age of Hollywood. Of course he was. Iris then becomes friends with him and learns from him, but she also gives him a new lease of life. Beautiful. No. Actually, like, I really like the Jack Black relationship, actually. But I wouldn't mind if Jack Black wasn't there and it was just about their friendship. The thing is, I feel like if it was Kate Winslet learning to let go of the dickhead boss that she's in love with, oh, that would have Rufus been a better... Sewell is Rufus Sewell is the perfect Sewell. choice to cast yes, that as well. I mean, this is... What a great actor. Rufus Sewell is good in everything. I've never seen something he's bad in. No. He's, he he's, can play a dick, but he can also play this charming guy that you're massively yeah. in love with. Have and you I seen A Knight's Tale? No, I haven't. Knight's Tale is... I've had heard of it. it it's hot shite, but it's also oh juicy, brilliant hot shite. Him in um, Victoria. Did you watch Victoria? No. Okay, 
he's so good in it because he's like the old prime minister who she's kind of in oh, love with. Oh, is he with. playing Lord Melbourne or? Yeah, I think that's it. And she's like massively in love with him, but she's only 18 and he's married and he's like really conflict. Ah, oh, he's just so good. Yeah. Like, I love you more than anyone else. And this is the thing, this is what I was like, if she if she went to California to like find, Kate Winslet went to California to find herself, to be rid of him, the moment when he comes in, it would be so much more powerful because she hasn't replaced him with another man. And that's the thing is, it's another man who also I just find so uninteresting and so boring as a character and also just so out of place. It was, it's, interestingly, really reminds me of Anna Kendrick in A Simple Favour. It's like, what are you doing in this film? Like, you make, like, your choices in this film just insane. I don't get it. I think, though, it's a much worse performance than Anna Kendrick in A Simple Favour. I mean, I don't feel like they're comparable at all. No, it's good. I think in the sense that they both feel just out of place. And I don't think Anna Kendrick does feel out of place in that film because I think... The whole thing is some bullshit. Yeah, like, she clearly read the script and was like, this would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. Too. But I, I guess to like I, make out with Blake Lively almost. So. And it's a shame because I feel like the Cameron Diaz Jude Law bits aren't really sweet and heartfelt. And I wouldn't think they'd go into Hallmarky territory because, no, no, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Because I don't think in a Hallmark Christmas film you would have the romantic, the romantic male lead whose first introduction is him turning up and pissing in a flower pot. No, I see what you're saying, but also, like, but that's just Nancy Myers being a great yeah. screenwriter, I think. But but I do think the actual events of it are very hallmarky. Oh. Like, she sees two names on his phone, Sophie and Olivia, and she's like, oh, no, he's cheating on me. Or, like, mm. he's got so many girlfriends. And then it turns out that they're his daughters because he was widowed. Oh, tragic story for him. Yeah, and then, exactly. You know, like, like, everything that happens in that storyline is cliche mm -hmm. but it happens in so many rom-coms as well no but i think you need to have both stories because that mm. is not and, and this is the thing is I, I feel like want to have both and i think there are two i do think yeah. the one in hollywood for me i agree that it's the weaker of the two and potentially less chemistry but i do think mm. that so much of it is well written i really like the bit in blockbuster when they like randomly run into like no that pisses me off so you much you know he literally was just in there. yeah no no yeah he was he was just around and then they just like but it was oh, jack black talking that. about film music pissed me off so but much that was that's only you yeah it's only gonna annoy me but to me that was but uh, what i what i would have would have liked is if there was maybe keep the side plot with the old screenwriter yeah but then remove jack black altogether and yeah. use it as her finding meaning in herself to get rid of the douchebag yeah, but i also feel like that's, that's not gonna happen well it could happen now but i don't think it would have happened in what did i say 2006 2004 i found actually cameron diaz kind of much more relatable than kate winslet yeah and that's i think another thing that pulled me into enjoying the cameron diaz story boys because she was clearly just more of a kind of rounded character than Kate Winslet, who was like, hmm, hmm, for a lot of the film. Just having a mope for a lot of the film. No, I see what you're saying, but that's why I think the Jack Black character was necessary to that part of the film, because he lightens I, her up, he makes her feel better. But I think, I think the old guy does that as well, and it wouldn't have to be as so awkwardly miscast. Yeah, I, I just think, I, yeah. I like the fact that they were like, do you know what, like, a romantic lead... I get what you're saying, maybe they just don't think there's chemistry, but I like the idea that they would be like, we don't have to have someone who looks like Jude Law as a no, romantic lead. Like, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. I just, feel, I just feel like Jack Black... My main criticism is that even though Cameron Diaz is fantastic, I like Jude Law and Kate Winslet so much that I wanted them to get together yeah. with their brother and sister. So you're like, it feels really conflicted right Game now. of Thrones remix. <laughs> I feel this, but also, yes, get together. Yeah, I, I think there was a good film in The Holiday. It's just The Holiday isn't that film. 
Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But, if we now go on to my second favourite Christmas film. And a very different oh, film very, to The Holiday. Very, very different film to The Holiday. And I asked you to watch the holiday classic that is Die Hard. Die Hard is a 1988 action thriller directed by John McTiernan and written by Stephen E. D'Souza and Jed Stewart. And it's based on the book by Roderick Thorpe called Nothing Lasts Forever. Didn't which I didn't know. No uh, it stars <laughs> Bruce Willis as uh, New York Police Chief John McClane as he's caught in the Los Angeles skyscraper, the Nakatomi Plaza, um, during a heist led by Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman, as he's trying to visit the wife he is estranged from, played by Bonnie Bedelia. Uh, this film is wonderful and also kind of stupid, but you just have a great ride watching this film. I really enjoy it. I also think that Alan Rickman is one of the um, film's best villains in this. Yeah, I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected to enjoy it. Yes. Because to be perfectly honest, like, did not look like my kind of film. No. I've never watched it as a result. I was also reminded when we were talking about something earlier that when I watched this originally, I was very confused because... I think because of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I thought Die Hard took place in a supermarket. Yes. Or a shopping mall. Because and yeah, I kept yeah. waiting for that to happen and then being really confused when that was not part of it at all. Yeah. And they're just in the skyscraper for the whole thing. So that would be one of my criticisms, is that I wanted to see more, like, department store yeah. fun. Equally, it was quite good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I it took, took a while to get going. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you have to set up the bloody... He's got to go and try and reconcile with his wife. Yeah, I didn't need all of that. But then when the terrorists get there, you Yeah, when the terrorists got there, it became much more interesting. Yeah, and essentially you then have John McClane running around in a vest, killing people. Yeah, which was much more fun. In very um, elaborate ways. I like how his wife's called Holly. Yes. His little, like, hi, hi, Christmas. Christmas film. I would say that potentially it is Alan Rickman that makes this film good. Yes. And if Alan Rickman wasn't in this film, it would be shit. Maybe shit, but shit, entertaining. But, like, entertaining, but, like, it wouldn't be quality film mm. but also that confuses me because he is essentially playing a pantomime yeah he's, he's i feel like he's definitely playing he's for playing a crowd an right evil now. german villain who is going to steal what all the money ah. do you not think you should be careful now i have kidnapped what would stop me being a murderer yeah like that. I can't he's, remember. he's i mean he's clearly having a great time and i think that also all the like side characters are really fun like the driver he's really funny where he's just kind oh, of there, I like, with the police. the driver. Yes, yeah. I actually love the driver. He was my favourite. I remember writing a note about him. Frustratingly, dear listener, last time we recorded this, I wrote all of these notes and then forgot the thing that I made the notes on. And this year, I said to Sam, I'll remember my iPad this year. I'll definitely have the notes. And then what should I do? I left it at work yet again. <laughs> so I have all of these notes and they're just doubly useless. Yeah. I'm actually quite pissed off. But I remember writing something about the driver in it. I and, enjoyed and, him. And I think I think what makes this film kind of... It could be like a really serious like action film and it wouldn't work. But the fact that there's quite a lot of humour in it, it's quite funny. Yeah. Agreed. And and like you get like class and I was like, yippee motherfucker. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was good actually. Oh, uh, and... yippee motherfucker. And it's, it's just fun to say as well. It's so much fun to say. And, and there's sort of the bits where he's swinging from the kind of the hose pipe through the window. Yeah, I like the bit in the elevator as well. Oh, That's the thing, right? Oh, so good. Yeah. And, and like, him in the vents or something. Mm, yeah. Which I feel like, is that the first time that was done or what? It feels I feel like, like it's done one of the most iconic times, ones of that. Trope. But yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of become iconic because of the visuals. And I think, like, the fight sequences and the action sequences are so well choreographed and they still look great 
mm. like 20 years down the line. Yeah, agreed. I just, this film's so much fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was, qu- I mean, you're saying the holiday was long. It's exactly the same length as the holiday and it was, it was quite long. See, I didn't, I, unlike with the holiday, I didn't feel like this, like, I felt like the beginning was long, but then once the terrorists arrive, it picks up right up in pace. Yeah. But I yeah, feel like with the holiday, yeah. it's sustained, it, for me, it felt like a sustained slog. Okay. Yeah, that's my, I see what you're saying. That's my my thought. Because, I mean, there's no criticism that the film is long. It's that it feels like, oh, no. And it's and it's, it's not... One of these films could very easily turn into watch Bruce Willis punch these terrorists in exactly the same way in slightly different rooms. And that's not this film. Is yeah, it's all, much more interesting than I thought it would be. And all the terrorists are kind of interesting. Like, you've got the kind of the nerdy hackery one, and, and then you've got Alan Rickman. And I think Holly herself is vaguely interesting yeah. because... There are fuck all women in this film apart oh, from yeah. her. They're all like shit. And also she's quite boring as well. But you know. But also but also it's the fact that she's like, I didn't want you to come here. Yeah. It, and there's no implication either at the end that like she doesn't necessarily think that he shouldn't have come there, but it's just a good thing that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously like if he hadn't, things would have turned out slightly differently. Yeah, but yeah, I do like I do like the idea that I mean, she does something. She punches people. Yeah, and, like she's not completely. She's useless. not completely passive, as mm. I feel like in some things, under a different hand, she could have been. Yeah. A, just a completely passive love interest that did nothing. Yeah, I I mean I still don't think it's particularly Christmassy to be perfectly honest, but I know that everyone disagrees with me, so I'm not. I I it. think it's it's about families coming together through adversity. It takes place on Christmas Eve. Yeah. There is a character called Holly in it. Tis a Christmas film. To be honest, I get more Christmas from this than The Holiday. The Holiday is... absolutely... The Holiday is a rom-com that takes place at Christmas. Well, you're so wrong. They do Christmas shit in it. Yeah. What is more Christmassy than thwarting terrorism? I, yeah. I just... I, I just... I think for me... It's, it's a good like, film. I'm not saying it's not a good film. I would probably watch it again. Maybe I'll watch it again this year, but... I think, I think also it's like, it's a good one to watch, like, because you just put it on and you just sort of enjoy the ride. You enjoy, the, yeah. I think, especially the interplay between Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman is really good. Like, they clearly have a lot of, like, spark, like, not actual physically punching each other because they don't actually do much fighting against each other. They definitely do just make, as in, I did think it was just going to be loads of people, like, fighting, yeah. which I find incredibly boring. Oh, yeah. Be honest. Like, even Star Wars, and I know I'm not really allowed to say this, but, like, I remember watching it and Lord of the Rings, actually, and it feeling like, here is some dialogue. Now they will all fight. And here is some more dialogue. And now they will all fight again. And I know that's not really true yeah. on what happens. But for me, I get really, really bored of things that have that. The reason I liked kids' films like Narnia and stuff is because you have a lot of like dialogue and character work. And, all and the then you have is the end. one big fight and then it's the end. I don't need to see people fight over and over again. I yeah. don't find that interesting at all. So... I actually did find this interesting. And I think because the fights are all different. I mean, you haven't seen The Raid, have you? I don't know what The Raid is. It's essentially um, a group group of drug dealers are holed up in a tower block and the police have to go in and stop them. It's, uh, I think it's Malaysian film, Uh, but it's directed by um, a Welsh director. And it's this very kind of like stylized, choreographed, like martial arts film. It's incredible. Like it's, it's almost like watching dance. It's, it's kind of I beautiful see, in I mean, a weird I, way. I see what you're saying, but I really don't find fighting very interesting. No. In, even when it's... I don't feel see, like... I, know, I normally agree well, with you with a lot of action films, like... but I watched The Rage and I was like, this is... Wow. Okay. Like, it re- it reminded me of ballet. Okay. In, in, I the, like ballet. in how integrate and delicate it was. Even though they're, like, obviously kicking each other in the tits and stuff, but... Yeah. I just... There's a limited amount of time to how many times I can see, like, someone, like, bang someone else's head on the table yeah. and then, like, smash them with their elbow and then, yeah. like, shoot them or whatever. But I don't think Die Hard does this because I think all the fights are different enough. 
There's also a lot of like mind games that yeah. played, and that's much more. And and and, to watch and the tete a tete between Hans Gruber and John McClane is so good. I also liked the spoiler alert, but they kill Nakatomi's executive. Yeah, I forgot about that, but I remember being like, "What the fuck? He's and, died!" And the thing I is, never expected yeah. that to happen. And it's it within like the first nowhere. what twenty or thirty minutes. It's it's early. That on was when film. I started being like, "This film's actually quite good." Yeah. Because before I was thinking like, "Okay, whatever," and then they killed someone, and I was like, "Oh, they're serious." Yeah. This isn't yeah. no like this ain't no party. No. Exactly. Anymore. No. What well, I mean, what way to end a Christmas party? That's. What's it? Which office has their Christmas party on Christmas Eve? Yes, such a rogue decision. I know. Are they really hard workers or something? I don't know. It might be an American thing. I'm not sure. Americans are weird. It's true. Maybe they don't do it because like Thanksgiving is such a big deal. Possibly. So they've already had like that kind of shit. I don't know. Still quite weird though. Yeah. Christmas Eve. No, not about that. Not about that life. Anyway. Anyway, thanks for listening to our Christmas episode. We'll just do some scores on the doors. Yeah, scores on the doors. What did you give Father Ted? Um, I gave Father Ted a 10 because I love it, but I understand that that's sentimental reasons, but I'm not still not changing it, no. even though I admit there are flaws. Yeah, I gave it six. Uh, that's disgusting, but fine. I, I, th- I think it's valid. I just think valid. that Monterey scene itself is like no. gold dust. I, then Doctor Who, I gave it six and a half. I gave it five and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I wouldn't watch it again and I wouldn't watch anything else to do with it. No, that's fair enough. Like, whatever, I didn't hate watching it. Yeah. Um, The Holiday, I gave a 6.5 because I don't think it's like one of my favourite Christmas films. Mm. I don't watch it that regularly, but I also really enjoy it. Yeah, I gave it four. I think think there was a good film in there, but it is not The Holiday. (laughs) Nancy Myers kills you. Then Die Hard, I gave it seven and a half because I think this film's great fun. Yeah, I gave it seven and a half. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Woo! It was good. I don't think any of this is going to trouble the leaderboard at all. No. By the by, the looks of it, I mean, Father Ted's got the highest score of all of those, but I also just think it's going to be. That's partly me, though. Yeah, it's, it's partly you. It can't work if only one of us gets no, it. No, I mean score. the the holiday is low, is in the lower portion of the list. Yeah, but it's above like. It's. I mean, it's a doing, lot of other stuff. It, yeah, it's doing better than things like How to Be Single, uh, A Simple Favor, Isn't It Romantic, that sort of the stuff. The Last Kingdom as well. Yeah. It's and nothing's going to trouble the top, is it? No, nothing's going to trouble the top. The top, the top, I think... Nada. I had a few weeks where the top changed a lot, but I feel like... Well, maybe. Well, who knows? Um, no, we're taking a little bit of a break for the Christmas holidays because we have lives, guys. Sorry. No. Sorry about it. Um, but we'll be back for, let's just call it a new season. We'll be back for a new season Please in... Please watch season two. Please stay watching for season two of... Please don't make me watch. Which will be coming to you in 2020. That's Ooh. right. We're in the 20s. I'm going to go to so many 20s parties yes. in this decade. <laughs> Woo! So what will we be watching on the first episode back? We should be doing like Great Gatsby, like 1920s film. Please. We should be, but we're, we're, we're not. fully not. <laughs> we might do that another time. Oh my God, it's the 20th episode as well. I know. Tw- awesome. So it's the 20th episode in 2020. Get hyped. Mighty View is something that's recently come on Netflix and... It's got loads of different series in different countries, mm-hmm. but we're going to watch the UK version for obvious reasons. Yeah. We've got a bit of David Tennant again. Classic. Love that guy. And I watched it with my parents and we all really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I think I've only seen the first two episodes, but okay. the last episode is apparently equally good. And it's called Criminal United Kingdom. Interesting. Very good. Yeah. It's nice to see it. They're standalone episodes, but they have the same cast in all of the episodes. Ah. So you can watch the others, but you don't have... Like, it's not one that will... You don't have to watch the rest, sure. if that makes sense. 
Um, I'm going to give you, I think, probably what is Amazon Prime's most famous original TV series. Yeah. Um, which is one that I went in with no expectations at all and absolutely loved. And that is The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Everyone at my work loves this. Which is about a stand-up comedian in 1950s New York. Yeah, everyone seemed to, like, suddenly love it. I, I, I love that you like it because it's written by Gilmore Girls. And yeah. I you don't like Gilmore Girls. But, I, and this was the thing, it was like... What? It didn't, it doesn't line up in my brain. But Maisel is great. Highly recommend it. Okay. Enjoy it. Um, and then my film is one that's also come recently on Netflix. <laughs> so much Netflix recentness. So I know, and I hate that. I hate you, Netflix, but also. I need you. You've given me joy. So this is a documentary that I've recommended to loads and loads of people, and people keep coming up to me that I've recommended to and being like, I need to discuss. And. It's something that I don't know if you'll enjoy watching, okay. but I think is fascinating. And I don't, it's not a documentary that does anything for the world, sure. but it is still a good watch. Sure. Um, and that is called Tell Me Who I Am. Oh. Oh, yeah. Cryptic. Cryptic. I'm not going to say anything more. No, I'm going to give you a sort of dark British comedy film. Love that. Um, Love all my of film. those words. Um, it's on Steve Oram and Alice Lowe. Love Alice Lowe. Yeah, who is... I, think Both have, I have heard of this film and wanted to watch it. Um, and it's called Sightseers. And I watched this with my mum, and we both loved it. Oh, okay. I don't think I'm going to watch it with my mum. No, I just, <laughs> we, we watch weird things as a family. This film being one of them. But it's it's a great film. It's really it's really funny, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. I know, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I'm looking forward to both of these for once. Yeah. Usually, recommend me one thing, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening this whole year to season one of Please Don't Make Me Watch. Woo! We appreciate your fandom support and we love. We really do. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Our yeah, podcast. can you like show us that love yeah. instead of just like listening like creepers from other places? That would be really useful. Yeah, and like boost our That's... ego. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at Please Don't Make Me Watch. You can find us on Twitter at Don't Make Me Watch. You can email us at Please Don't Make Me Watch at gmail.com if you've got any suggestions. Yeah, we'd love to hear suggestions. Please Maybe do. even some like 1920s themed yes. TV or films. That would be really 100%. helpful because we don't really know many. No. Um, and you can listen, obviously, as you are listening to this podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and many other great podcast providers. Exactly. Hurrah. Hope you have a fab Christmas and a wonderful new year. Yay! We wish you a very Christmas. We wish you a very Christmas. We wish you a very Christmas and a happy new year.